Baseball Money is Fake on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. Bet $100 and get $100 at winbet.com or download the WinBet app and start winning today. State restrictions apply. We're also brought to you by the Sports Gambling Podcast Final Four Watch Party. April 1st at 7.30 p.m., the SGP will be at the Ice House in Los Angeles, so come hang out with the crew. All the info is at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash icehouse. <laughs> Welcome to Baseball Money is Fake, a fantasy baseball podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I waited fucking three days to <laughs> to play that as our little intro clip <laughs> on the live. If you missed it, go check it out on YouTube, Twitter, wherever. But uh, I am Blake Meyer. I'm back again on a Thursday, our end of the week episode. And as always, I am here with my man, Ryan Gilbert. How you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing all right. That, that intro did pump me up a little bit, but but still uh, down in the dumps here a little bit in Philadelphia with the uh, Reese Hoskins injury news, uh, non-contact knee injury. Apparently he was was carting off the field. It didn't look good, but he, he was walking in the clubhouse after the game. I know you can walk on a torn ACL. But you can play on it with a brace, but obviously uh, not too great there. So I'm ho- holding my breath there for Reese Hoskins. Yeah, that one made me nervous. That was one that I... Texted you earlier. I assumed you had already seen it, but I wasn't mm. sure. And like non-contact injuries are always the worst because there never seems to be an okay non-contact injury. If it's non-contact, he's he's really hurt. So that's obviously going to shake up that Phillies lineup a little bit. It's going to shake up the fantasy baseball world slightly at the first base position. I think I had Hoskins as like my number eleven on my fantasy pros rankings. So. Still not a top 10 guy that's out, but first base was pretty deep, so Hoskins was playable, and now that's one of those 30-plus home run guys that's kind of just out, likely for the year at this point. We still got to see what they say, but it's really not looking good. Yeah, I mean, hopefully it's just a couple months, if that, and not not the whole year, but it it, it looked bad, uh, so we'll see. Uh, Phillies will be likely to play Derek Hall at first base against righties. He's, He's pretty good. Don't he could be a, a breakout guy. He hit for power every year in the minors. Uh, last year, he had 28 home runs and 101 AAA games. Got called up. He played DH some when Harper was hurt. Uh, he had nine home runs in 42 games. The thing is, he he strictly bats against right-handers. Against left-handers, he only <laughs> had 12 at-bats, one for 12, struck out seven times. He had a single. Oh. So He's just a straight platoon bat if they bring in a lefty. We have Mendoza Sosa on the bench. Uh, Alec Bohm might slide over to first base. Also, keep an eye out. He has not played first base much there in his career, but Kyle Schwarber could get some starts at first base. And if, if he gets enough, that's another top outfielder that would would gain eligibility. That, that would be huge. I like that. Uh, and especially since, I guess Harper's not going to play the outfield, but there's also the news that came out that they're not putting Harper on the, mm-hmm. the 60-day DL, which means he could be back before or the may 28th may 29th right, something yeah, may like 20th, that yeah so that it's like you take the good with the bad the bad you probably lost harper uh hoskins for a significant amount of time the good harper's gonna be back 
potentially well before the all-star break. And that makes a big difference in fantasy drafts. I know his ADP has been rising over the last whatever couple days since that mm-hmm. came out over on NF- NFBC. I know it makes me hate myself more for not drafting him yet in a league. And it's not that I didn't want him. It was just he to go one round before I was comfortable taking him. And now all of those people look like geniuses because now they got him for a steal, essentially. Yeah, especially if they come back earlier. I mean, I, I initially thought maybe play Schwarber at first base. He's played 11 games there in his career. Nine starts, all uh, in 21 with the Red Sox there. So not going to be a long-term solution there, but hopefully he gets enough uh, appearances there where he can add that eligibility, especially on... I know Yahoo is pretty lax with the uh, eligibility. I think it's like five starts, ten appearances. <laughs> so, yeah, Schwarber probably put him. I don't know because the lineup's affected as well with, with Hoskins out. Really, Castellanos' pressure is going to be on. So we'll, we'll see if he has that bounce back mm-hmm. here that, that I thought he he has in him. And if you are listening right now, or if you are watching, we appreciate all of you. Uh, if you could hit that follow button, if you are watching this on Twitter. If you're watching on YouTube or Twitch, you could subscribe, follow, whatever you want to do. It goes a long way to helping us continue to be able to do this because we we love doing this so much. And this is episode 51, so we've been doing it a minute. And if you are listening to this wherever your heart desires, if you could just follow us, hit that auto-download button, we would love that as well. Same with five-star ratings and reviews. Those help us as well. But today, we decided that we would start with a little bit of down news for Ryan's Phillies because we had to talk about it. But we'll talk about our uh, our must draft guys for fantasy baseball. This is the last weekend before we have baseball. Yeah. So in one week, opening day, one week, the the, the Phillies will be one and zero. Ready. So will the Mariners. That's the that's the shit that I like. I cannot yeah, I, wait. I think the Phillies play. I'm curious I think to the see. Phillies have a day, a day game. Phillies play at four oh five, so it'll be it'll be the mid- middle of the game there. Uh, Mariners play ten ten. Garden one of the, one of the late games there on MLB Network. Oh, that's normal. I forget your Eastern time. Yeah, that's normal Mariners oh, yeah. time seven ten. I'm yeah. going to the game on uh, April third on a Monday. I'm going to tough it out nice. and uh, I, for my day job that I don't normally talk about. But I wake up at like three o'clock in the morning to do that. So I am going to wake up at three o'clock in the morning. Tough it out. Go to the Mariners game at 6.45 p.m. Be out to who, who knows how well, because Seattle is like an hour from my house, and then wake up and go to the day job again. So be well worth it. I have a buddy that invited me to go to the game. He had some tickets from his aunt, so shout out you, Evan. Thank you very much for the invite, and I cannot wait to play in the Angels, and I'm praying that it's Otani. It's probably not Otani, but man, would I love it if it was. Well, it's it probably not. That he's. I'm assuming he's Otani starting opening day, so he, he wouldn't start the however many games. But who's who's the Mariners opening day starter? Is it going to be Ray? Uh, nope. Yeah, uh, Castillo. Castillo. Okay. Because Bieber is here confirmed for Cleveland, but they I don't think... have one for Seattle. Yeah, I think it should be Castillo. Robbie Ray, I think, might be our number four. Maybe because of how well he's performed in spring training, they might have him as the three and put George Kirby as the four. But the way it should shake out, I I think Robbie Ray should be the four, and he would make one hell of a nasty number four starter. Yeah, And then probably Bryce Miller at the five, I think. 
Sure. Bryce Miller. Definitely uh, definitely a big fan of him over here. All right. We are big fans of (laughs) WinBet, the official online sportsbook of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. WinBet is now active in Massachusetts and tons of other states. Be on the lookout for the WinBet Win Hour each Thursday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Right now, seven minutes left. During WinBet Win Hour, marquee games of the week will have better odds on WinBet, giving you a larger payout opportunity. And March Madness is here. It's uh, continuing here with Sweet 16 tonight. There's so many ways to bet on the big dance. Sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet $100, get $100, limited to state availability. And, of course, for our DGENs only, if you hit the biggest long shot parlay of the week, you get $1,000 free credit. There's so much to choose from. All you have to do is head over to winbat.com or download the Winbat app. Offer subject to change, terms and conditions at winbat.com. Most of the one or older in presence that we play through is available. If you have something else, again, problem, call 1-800-522-4700. And the SGP guys are going to be hosting a Final Four watch party at the historic Ice House in Pasadena, California, Saturday, April 1st at 7.30 p.m. Get all the, de- all the details at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash icehouse. Looking to hang out with Sean and Ryan at Stadium Swim and watch the biggest golf tournament in the world? You can win a three-night stay at Circa Las Vegas to hang with the guys. The contest is completely free to enter. Just go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash golf party. And if you don't win the contest, you can still get a discount on a room using promo code SGP15. All right. So the other day for Fantasy Pros, uh, I put out a Blake Myers must draft players for 2023. It was an awesome article i was very honored to be able to write an article for fantasy pros that had my name in the title seems kind of not like nothing to most people but for me i worked a long ass time to be able to say that i did something like that and it felt really cool and it just seemed like something that would transfer well into a damn good podcast episode because i do have more players than what was in that four player list that i put up i don't have 40 players i have like i got like 10 solid 10 must draft guys and so me and ryan put together our list and we figured we would run through some guys that we think what do we want to call them league winners maybe excellent value picks that should be rostered guys that will help you in i don't in catch some of them are category league guys some of them are points these guys some of them are just overall guys you need to be keeping an eye on because they're very undervalued now and they're guys that by the end of the year you're going to think Damn, I'm so glad I picked him because I don't know what I would have done without him in my lineup. And so I want to know, Ryan, who your first person is. Oh, well, first of all, I want to address I've 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 had this thought in my mind for a while, but I, I do not like the term league winners whatsoever. I understand that I understand the thought process. I understand people like, oh, if you have this player, it gives you a better chance to win. But like, no, there, there's no league winning player in fantasy baseball. Like even if you had Aaron Judge last year, you're not definitively winning a league. Like that's that's just pet peeve. I, I realize I have a strong take on that, but uh, <laughs> I don't really have my guys listed here. Uh, I guess one of the guys I ha- I have on my list, I'm sure you do too. Let's get him out of the way. Jordan Walker, how early are you willing to draft your boy? Oh ADP man, ADP right now um... in March is 130. Right between uh, Giancarlo Stanton and Andrew Vaughn on NFBC. He's shooting way up that list because I know when we started talking about him on here, he was down in like the 280 range or a lot closer to 300. And now Mm -hmm. he's like top five in spring training and total bases for the year. He's been on an absolute tear showing that 
I mean, he's worth the spot. I still don't know if they put him on the 40, man. I don't think they have. I mean, 90 runs, nine RBIs, and two stolen bases in spring training. Subsurge, 831 OPS. He's likely going to shift to outfield. So he, while he's a third baseman right now, he will get third base and outfield eligibility because there's no way in hell he's starting over Arenado out there. So, God, you said he's going well, what, 180? Is that what you said? One, 130. 130? Okay, here, here's, here, a, here's a question. Rounder. Yeah, I would, take him to, I would take him 10th round. Another one of our guys. Jordan Walker is 129.98. At 122.73, so seven picks before, same round, same range. Anthony Santander, who who are you drafting? If just just pick one. I know it, it, it depends on on the context. It depends what type of team you have at that point. But if you had to be like, okay, one of these guys is guaranteed on your team, same round, Santander or Walker, who are you going with? Okay, so I'm gonna go in there. He is. Oddly enough, he's the very first person on my on my must draft list. <laughs> I'm going with Santander because the uncertainty of Jordan Walker still not mm-hmm. being on the 40 man and not knowing how high his ceiling is. That is the only reason. Not a knock on Jordan Walker whatsoever. I think he should be drafted by everybody in fantasy baseball because he gives me Julio Rodriguez vibes. And I hate to say that because Julio is like a big superstar. But every time I watch Jordan Walker, everything I've seen of Jordan Walker, his stat lines that he's put up, it's all very reminiscent of Julio Rodriguez prior to last season. So it gives me that vibe. But when it comes to fantasy baseball, especially category leagues, you need to find value in specific categories to really help take you over the top. And Anthony Santander is that in the home run category. He hit like 33 home runs last year. There's only 20 players in baseball that went over 30 home runs, and you can get them in the 10th round. Guys like that are guys that I will focus on first before the uncertainty of someone like a Jordan Walker, but I would love to find a way to get both. I know it wouldn't happen, but I want both. I'm greedy. Yeah, it's tough because Jordan Walker is the ultimate FOMO pick. Like, if he gets drafted in the top 100 picks, if he gets drafted eighth round, you're like, okay, I'm not going to draft him there anyway. Good for them that they took a chance on him. If he pans out, he pans out, whatever. But like, once you get down to here, 10th round, 11th round, I think at that point you have to grab him. But like 10th round here, Stephen Kwan's at 117, 12 above him. Max Muncy, Ahmed Rosario, if you need shortstop outfield. But looking after Walker, I think it's pretty much you'd rather have Walker. You have Andrew Vaughn. These are just hitters. I'm ignoring pitchers. Mm-hmm. Andrew Vaughn, Nico Horner, CJ Crone, maybe, uh, Hunter Renfro, Rowdy Telez, definitely possible depending on your first base Rowdy. situation. Uh, Anthony Rizzo, someone I, I'm a big fan of. I think he's being drafted too low. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so, so so guys like that, I think there's, Walker is like a good guy in there that separates like, okay, I would clearly take these guys above them, but below them, it's like a toss-up depending on what happens. That's a good way to look at it. He is like, yeah, like right now, he's very, being he's being correctly drafted. That I like that. There's not a lot of guys that you see that. A lot of times when you scroll through the ADP board, you'll find somebody farther down. It'll be like, man, I love him, and I hate everybody that's performed, so I don't understand why he should be, why he's getting picked behind all of them. But yeah, Jordan Walker's right in that area. I think this is a good spot for him. And I would just like to go on the record. 
I don't know if you knew I was going to do this or not, but when we did our third base rankings episode pre-show, we discussed what our rankings were. This was like yes. two months ago. Yeah. Oh. And I said that I had Jordan Walker as my number eight third baseman. And, and you backed out. I got backed out. shamed for it. And I backed out of it. Well, yeah, I did not want to be absolutely. a talking head that's out here making crazy picks. And now you cannot, oh, I'm not have a you cannot have a player that has not taken a major league at bat unless it's someone coming over from overseas or like some phenom rookie. You cannot have one, especially one that doesn't have a clear path to the majors. I'm worried about Walker not making the open day roster. They have Carlson. They have Yopez. They have Nolan Gorman who can DH. They, they're deep enough where they can be like, okay, let's see if these guys can, can hang on. Let's see if Carlson can be something. Let's see if Yopez can be something. Let Walker get some more seasoning in AAA, AA, wherever they think is better for him. And, you know, call him up when there's an injury. Call him up when someone's slumping. I, I could see them definitely doing that, which it's not necessarily going to lower his value too much for me because he's more of a long-term thing. I'm taking him knowing him. I'm going to get probably weaker uh, contributions early in the season. But I think I think at that point, he's, he's in a good spot there. Uh, just third base... He's got Muncie ahead of him. After him, Chapman, Miranda, Suarez, Boom, Hayes, Drury. So, if you get Walker, just make sure you get another third base eligible guy that you're comfortable being a starter for a few weeks, if not a few months. Muncie, that's the answer. Grab Muncie if you want to wait like that and get two third basemen. Going to hit thirty home runs again, more than likely. Uh, but after that. I don't. I'm not. I don't know. There's some guys like okay. So well, uh, do do you have Muncie on your list? I have Muncie on my list. Muncie was my uh, second base. I I went through. Each I, position. I don't. Okay. Well, I mean, I can just go straight to Muncie here. I think that's a, a good uh, transition. Yeah. I just went each position. Okay, looking at ADPs. Is this guy where he should be, or would I clearly take him over the guys behind him, and maybe taking the guys ahead of him? Third base is weird. You got the top what six, seven guys. You got the top six. J. Ram, Witt, Machado, mm-hmm. Riley, Devers, Arenado. Then you got Bregman, Henderson. Then you have 36 picks until Max Muncy. I think that gap should definitely <laughs> be smaller. Jordan Walker is seven picks later. Uh, Chapman is 27 picks. I also do like Eugenio Suarez at, at his spot, 157. I think Brendan Drury is good, 181. But Muncy, he is coming off an injury. That, that's always scary, but... I mean, we talk about it every show. The shift, the shift being banned is going to be huge for someone like Muncie. Coming off that injury, should be healthy. He still hit 21 home runs last year. Hit 196. That's obviously awful, but he has the power. The power's still there, and that average should go up without the shift. So, I also do like that he has second base and third base. Second base is a uh, pretty shallow, so he may be drafted there, or you could get him as as a possibility to play. That's also both middle infield and corner infield if you have those slots on your roster. So I think Muncie is being underrated here with at a pick 122. I agree. And a lot of Muncie being devalued has to do with, I mean, there's it's a lot of it is people looking at his uh, stat line from last year and being like, oh, wow, he kind of really fell off, which lowers him this year. But Muncie was last year, he had a UCL injury before the season that he refused to get surgery on. He wanted to just play through it. And that just, it zapped his power, zapped his hitting ability. It screwed him. But the thing is, with his injury that he had, it was one of those ones that just needed time to get better and to get healed. And we saw that happen last year. 
he struggled big time for the majority of the year, but once August hit in the 53 games from August on, he hit 247 with 12 doubles, 12 home runs, 37 R guys. His normal team percent walk rate. He was an absolute machine, which is what you look for. He had almost a 15% barrel rate and a 51% hard hit rate. He became the Muncie from years prior that was hitting 30, 33 home runs a year while batting 240. That we're getting coming into this year, but because a lot of people check stat lines, they see how he struggled last year. They don't dig into it too much. It is lowering him down. He could be better than Bregman this year, and that wouldn't surprise me. I don't, I don't I like know if I go that far being better than Bregman, but yeah, he's uh, he's definitely I think above his 122. All right, who okay, you got so the here? next guy? Well, well, okay. Do you have Lars on yours? Uh, I didn't just because I knew you, you had him on yours. He we can we talked about Lars Newbar so much. Everybody fucking loves Lars Newbar. He's going to start every game for the Cardinals in the outfield this year. He is baseball's favorite player. He's Japan's second favorite player. He's Lars is the man. And again, I would like everybody to know Lars Newbar is six foot two, two hundred and whatever pounds. I thought he was a short man for a long time. So that surprised me. I didn't, but for the record. It, I'm, not, I'm not sure why that, why that surprised you. I think you think everybody everybody's kind of short to you, though. Well, that that, that, that is very true. The thing is, <laughs> the thing is with Lars, uh, everybody's talking about him. So it has raised his draft stock quite a bit. His ADP right now is at. It is at, at 170. Oh, I said that in the mic. What's up, everybody? Yeah, there we go. 170, which I think is pretty good for him. He's got an excellent walk rate. I think he would have been top five in baseball and walk rate last year had he played enough games to qualify. Uh, he hit like 14 home runs, only hit like 228. But a lot of that was he had a, like two very bad months batting average wise at the end of the year. But he's got pop. He's got power. He's got a little bit of speed. So I'm curious to see if he can surpassed double digit steals this year and outfield is thin so he's somebody if you get him as your fourth or fifth outfielder in a a big outfield type league like uh, tgfbi where we started five outfielders in the 15 team league something like that he's absolutely a must draft and i would argue he's a must draft in three outfield teams too like he he is probably the best third outfielder you're going to find out there the, the more I look at his, like, he didn't, he didn't perform necessarily well in the WBC, which, which is fine. He hit 269. But looking at his, I, I thought he had better minor league numbers. He never really had power. His power's only been in the majors, 19 home runs in 166 games for much of a full season. Never really hit for too much average either. I know there's a lot of hype around him. I know we've hyped him up, which, which caused him to uh, go into that slump. I, I think he's, <laughs> but because outfield is the way that it is, the guys after him, McNeil, Nimmo, Bellinger, Yoshida. Yoshida, I'm Yoshida, I'm very interested in seeing where he goes in my draft. And I I, I may take him as a mm-hmm. fourth mm-hmm. or fifth outfielder. Same thing with Nupar. I, I don't want Nupar to, to be one of my top three, but if I can get him as a fourth to fill in the util and be there if, if someone else gets hurt, I, I'm willing to take that chance because ahead of him is Suzuki, Hap, Renfro, Vaughn, Stanton, and then Santander. So there's a clear top like 32, 33 outfielders there for me. And then Nupar is like here with the rest. So 
if you can get a new bar, what's 170 round like around 15 ish and in, in late teens, I, I think that's something. But he, he doesn't have the same FOMO factor as Walker does. Like if someone else gets new bar, you're like, all right, that's fine. Like Very new true. bar, new bar is not like a like a five five out of five must draft. He's like a four out of five. He's right there. He is right there. Uh, you did what position last time? You did so you did Muncie last time, right? I did Muncie, yes. I was my second baseman. I'll go, I'll go, I'll keep the uh... Is that possible? What? I mean, there's so many good shortstops. Who's your must draft? My shortstop, my must draft now is we mentioned them last show, is uh Jeremy Pena. Jeremy Pena is gonna be getting a lot more at bats now with uh, Jose Altuve out there. He should be leading off for the Astros. He finished last season really strong, especially in the playoffs here. Coming off a uh, a good season, was already projected to be a pretty good shortstop uh, when he was hitting sixth or seventh. Blake, Blake, you uh, you had him much higher than I did in my shortstop rankings, and now I'm gonna <laughs> gonna have him up there because he deserves to be. You know, we talked about it. There's like a top. There's a top seven or eight you're kind of comfortable with with Swanson there, even down to Anderson, Bogarts, Adamas. There's there's 12 shortstops in the top 89, 80 which is crazy, but Jeremy Pena is right there at the 13th. I don't know if I would take him over Adamas, who's ahead of him, maybe over Bogarts, because you talked me into it, but I still have to consider <laughs> that. Tim Anderson and Franco, are. I'm probably staying away from both of them. I, I don't trust either of them with injuries and coming off their stuff. But once again, after Pena, it's like Correa, Rosario, Nico Horner, Estrada. Pena is a fantastic insurance plan at shortstop or just someone you can be like, okay, I know I can wait on shortstop. I'll get him as late as possible mm-hmm. and I'll fill in the rest of my roster. The thing I find interesting is Pena is now slotted to be the leadoff guy. His ADP hasn't changed at all. His ADP is still 111. It's 111 for the entire month of March and it's 111 since this weekend when Altuve got hurt. He hit, what, 22 home runs and stole 11 bases last year while hitting 260. And if he's hitting leadoff, Altuve is going to be out for a very long time. Altuve can't even pick up a bat for the next eight weeks. So he's going to be back way later than that. Pena could be in line for 100 more plate appearances this year than he got last year which very easily all of a sudden makes him a 25-15 shortstop that could hit 270. That's that's big. That's top 10 shortstop numbers, even with as deep as shortstop is. Because I think I think the 22-11 and 11 last year, I think that was his floor. I think he could be better than 25-15. It just depends on what kind of multiplier the bigger steals puts on people's speed numbers this year, or the bigger bases, I mean, puts on people's steal numbers this year. He could be a 25-20 guy. He could be a 28-2 guy this year. And so it makes him a lot safer pick for me than somebody like, uh, say, O'Neal Cruz. His ceiling is through the absolute roof. He had four balls today that he hit all over 100 miles an hour in his spring training game. He went one for four. But Cruz's ceiling is so high, but then his floor is also so low. And Jeremy Pena's quickly becoming one of those guys that has a very high four batting at the top of that lineup. He's going to score a hundred runs. I I love that as a must draft, especially at one eleven. Yeah. On my I list, mean, by the way. Awesome. Yeah. I wanted to 
mentioned some draft strategies this show too yeah this is absolutely shortstop don't draft the top one don't reach for one if they fall down below their adp or if they're or if it's semian or, or wit or jimenez who has second base or third base eligibility sure you know get that versatility but otherwise you know trey turner i'm probably not taking even as a phillies fan unless he falls to the late part of the first round and even then it feels like you should just use that spot on an outfielder or on a second baseman or on a third baseman rather than getting a shortstop where you can get Pena or if you miss out on Pena, you can still get Correa. I think Correa had Correa had very similar numbers to Pena last year. One more RBI, two fewer runs. Pena's runs should skyrocket too leading off there. He should get up to at least 90, if not 100 runs, depending how long he leads off. So yeah, Pena is the mm-hmm. shortstop I'm probably targeting. Uh, we'll see how that pans out. Sam, and it's going to hurt me as a Mariners fan to put a an Astro on my lineup, but I try to to separate the art from the artist when it comes to fantasy. I don't really care who you play for if you can contribute to my team. I'll have you, Jordan Alvarez. I hate your guts, and also Ryan, I hate you, and making me relive that entire fucking playoff walk off home run last episode. But uh, like, yeah, I'll, I'll yeah, take a lot of a lot of those guys this year. Yeah, with the Astros, I mean, they're never the underdog, but you can always be the underdog at Underdog Fantasy. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is heating up for March Madness. College Pick'em is a great way to get in on the action, especially if your bracket is busted after day one. Plus, Underdog Fantasy has your favorite college basketball player props. Head over to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN for 100% deposit bonus up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. Right, you did mention Jordan Alvarez there towards the end. I mean, it's 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 a guy that's going to be drafted in the first 15 picks, but I would consider mm-hmm. Jordan Alvarez kind of not a must draft because you can't say that about a about a 11, his ADP right now is 13.59, which is the the 11th best in in the in the month of March, but I don't see why he's slipping so much. I am not worried about his hand injury whatsoever. He knows how to hit the ball. He knows how to see the ball. See the ball, hit the ball. That's all, that's all you have to do. He doesn't mm-hmm. need three weeks, four weeks of spring training to ramp up and to spend a bat and to see live pitching. He can get ready in, in a week. And I think he was supposed to play either today or tomorrow. I'm going to look that up. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I agree. I think he's perfectly fine. He, he has absolutely no reason whatsoever to be out there for live ABs in spring as much as I know guys do like to ramp up to the season with some spring training. So maybe he gets off to a slightly so slow start, which would make him apparently he just, uh, he just took, took his first at bat on his third pitch. He flew out to deep center field warning track. So he's seen the ball just like that. Yeah. And he's, he's one of those guys that he's a, uh, what did Dusty Baker say? He's a, uh, he's not a home run hitter. He's a, uh, He's a, hitter he's a hitter that has home run power. So he's going to hit over 300. If he plays a full season this year, he's going over 40 home runs. I think his his baseball savant page, his stat cast data, he was in like the 100th percentile in almost everything. Except for like Max Exavilo, he's the 99th percentile because O'Neill Cruz somehow hit a ball like, like 125 miles an hour. But yeah, I, I love that pick. I do also have a guy farther up in the first round as well um which i try to normally but due to the jose altuve injury one more quick thing on uh jordan alvarez 
AL MVP maybe Noel Tuve uh, pitching staff took a hit with Verlander gone. You know, could see could see him carrying the team. So I, I'm trying to look up some odds on that, but I think you know I, I think we're gonna we'll do this. We'll finalize this before the season starts. But I think our NL is Riley and AL is Jordan as of now. Yep. Perhaps I agree. I think that's exactly right. what's gonna. Uh, but so for my first round ADP guy. I don't think it should come as much as a, of a surprise. Uh, it's Mookie Betts. His ADP right now, I mean, he's oh, he's like seventh or eighth <laughs> on the ADP board. All he yeah, does is put up numbers. He was already a guy that I was like, if you have a, a pick after six in fantasy baseball, I've just been telling everybody to take Mookie Betts. And now that Altuve is out, it's just more clear that Mookie Betts needs to be the person because in – Fantasy baseball, there is only there's only five good second basemen. I can say that confidently. There was Mookie Betts, there was Jose Altuve, Marcus Simeon, excuse me, uh, Jazz Chisholm, and Albies. Jesus. Yeah, Ozzy Albies. There we go. That's that, you know that I was testing you. Uh, and Ozzy <laughs> Albies. It, there's five good second basemen, and now Altuve is out likely for probably at least three months. So one of those five is gone. So now there's four, and those four are going in the first 39 picks in fantasy baseball. And so for you to have a competitive second baseman, you now need to take one at the very beginning of the draft. And at that that point, you might as well just take Mookie Betts, who has second base and outfield eligibility. He hit 35 home runs last year, scored 117 runs. Only a 16% K rate, which is awesome. Stole double-digit bases, and he hit 269. He's he's a first round pick for a reason. He does everything you want. That's not going to slip this year. And with such a terrible second base position, I don't see why I like I have pick seven in my home league uh, draft tomorrow. I'm taking Mookie. That's who I'm taking at pick seven. Well, he might be gone before that. Cause I think looking at the top guys, I'd possibly take him in the top five. Judge Acuna, I think are my clear mm-hmm. top two. Otani's up there if it's a if it's a one player league if he's one player. I think I take Mookie over J Rod. I don't know I don't about J Rod's floor. I don't know about J Rod. Like if if you have picked four or five and it's J Rod or, or Mookie, it, it's really tough. Yeah, I like to, I do like Tucker a lot in Houston. He he has the little day to day thing next to his name because he has a, has a little ankle injury, but he'll be fine. Um, I probably take him over Ramirez. Third base does have a little bit more depth. And taking Mookie, you can put him at outfield if you end up getting like someone like Semyon fall into your lap. Like you're you're okay mm-hmm. moving him around. I can't I can't take him too. I was trying to talk myself into taking him too here in, in my <laughs> in my league where I have the second pick. But I, you, you got to go Judge or Acuna there. And I do think Trey Turner yep. will will go first overall in my league because it's it's all Phillies fans or mostly Phillies fans. I'm going to be shocked if he doesn't. I think the only way he yeah. doesn't is if you have the number one overall pick and you don't. So <laughs> I would be shocked. Jay Rod's yeah. going two league, I think. Who you got next on your list? Cause I have another second baseman after this. Um, I, mean, I mentioned him when we, we were discussing, uh, sorry, but the Walker or someone like that. Um, Anthony Rizzo, Anthony Rizzo is down at, um, 151.9 ADP. I know he's not what he once was, but he was pretty good last year. I think he had, did he have 30 home runs? 
He had yeah, 32 home runs, 75 RBIs. Only hit 224, but he's going to be what hitting three or four in, in that Yankees lineup and with that short porch and in right field. He's down there with guys like Jose Miranda's right after him. Ryan Mountcastle's a pick before him. Rowdy Telez is before him. I think he should be up there with the Nathaniel Lowe, Reese Hoskins, Christian Walker in, in that type of range, not down in 150. So he'll be someone that I'm looking at for probably my util spot because I don't know if I can trust him as my starter at first base. But if there's if there's a first base run and I, I can't get anyone until someone like like Rizzo, I don't necessarily mind having someone that I know can hit 30 home runs at a, at a power position. Yeah. And last year is that's the new Anthony Rizzo. Like he did the thing all aging players should do when they want to try and stay relevant. He found what he needed to do with his swing to keep himself relevant. A lot of guys like he used to be a, a decent average, got some pop type of guy. He has fully leaned into being the fly ball all hitting pull hit up his launch angle by five degrees last year up to 20, 20 degrees, which is a, a big uppercut King Griffey Jr. Style swing. It, so his habit and his average line, that's for real. That, that will carry over into this year. Again, he's probably going to hit two two thirty again this year, but in that little league stadium out there, Yankee stadium, he's going to hit 30 to 35 home runs, almost guaranteed. Cause just because he fully leaned into that is his swing. Now that is what he's going to do. It's going to get him paid. It's going to keep him in the lineup and it's going to put up vital fantasy baseball stats that we look for later in drafts. So kind of like the Anthony Santander thing. And he's a, that is cheap home run power in a league where home run power shouldn't be cheap. Cause there's not many of them that can runs and he's one of them. Yeah, and Fangraphs does have him protected to hit third, at least against right-handed pitchers. Uh, Glaber, Judge, Rizzo, Stanton, Donaldson. And looking at that Yankees lineup, it, it, look, it looks weaker than I thought it did. I guess maybe they'll have a, a prospect or two come up and fill that out. But yeah, Rizzo hitting right between Judge and Stanton. Can't really get too much better, but there may be some pan- sometimes where the bases are empty because Judge just blasts one before him. I guess that's the only downside <laughs> to that. Yeah, uh, friend of the pro. Program Gary Sheffield Jr. posted on Twitter earlier asking how many wins people thought the Yankees were going to get, and I saw or I said eighty nine, and I thought he was going to come through the fucking come through my phone and kill me. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's just saying like ninety three, ninety five, and I was like, I think I eighty nine seems about right because I don't know how I feel about their lineup this year. I don't like their pitching yeah. as much as I did. And he was like, Wow, for real? Like, oh, my bad, <laughs> my bad, bud. Uh, but next on my list. Another second baseman, it's Jazz Chisholm Jr. That shouldn't surprise anybody. I've talked about Jazz almost as much as I've talked about Jared Kelnick. And it just cements it more now. Jazz Chisholm Jr. Jared Kelnick. That other guy. My guys. The the Kelnick guy. Yeah, you know, some people have heard of him. Only the the best hitter in spring training. No big (laughs) deal. Uh, I don't even know if that's something to brag about, but. With being out, it's kind of the same thought process as Betts. Uh, Jazz jumps up to my number three. Or no, he jumps up to my number two second baseman. Fantasy Bros drafted is the number three right now. His ADP is 35 currently. And it's not without reason. One thing that's very interesting is so every year... 
that he's played at the major league level. So 2020, 2021, and 2022, he's improved year over year in batting average, strikeout rate, average exit velocity, sweet spot rate, slugging, and OPS. His slugging has gone up over 100 points every year that he's been at the major league level. And I love that his strikeout rate has dropped every year as well. It started out 30.6% in 2020. Is it 27.4 last year? Still not the best strikeout rate. But it was almost 1.5% better than the year prior. And he's coming in here trying to prove that he is... He's the fucking man because everybody in Miami sucks. And he's put up pretty good numbers. I mean, uh, in his last 162 games, he's hit 242 with 24 doubles, 7 triples, 28 home runs, and 26 stolen bases. He's also scored 97 and driven in 90. Do you know whose output last year was identical to that? Marcus Simeon. So he literally just put up a Marcus Simeon-style year in his last 162 games. And I think that's his four when he's healthy. Like that's, that's his four. I think he's a 35, 35 guy. And I'm not shy about that. I, I think he's electric. I think he is what baseball needs. He's definitely what Miami needs. Cause they need something out there to cheer for. And I think he's going to play his ass off and have a crazy year this year. Yeah. I, I do like jazz here. People forget probably that he's he is going to get outfield eligibility, which does will make him and Betts two that two of the best that only have second base and outfield. It's just a trouble for me. I'm looking through these ADPs. Is just where would I draft him? Because behind him, I'd probably take Nola or Rosarina, Varsha. I'm not taking that high, but Woodruff, mm-hmm. Olson, Schwarber, maybe over, but someone like Cedric Mullins. But I think they have similar outputs. So at that point, like I think someone in my league is going to be higher than I am on Jazz. So I'm not worried about taking him, but I, I completely see your points. Like he's gotten better, but it is just that staying healthy factor. That mm-hmm. weak lineup in Miami he is hitting second, but it's Arias. Arias should going to base a lot for her, and then and Chisholm, and then Jorge Soler, Garrett Cooper. Just not not a good lineup. I like Chisholm, but I, I don't know where I'm going to be drafting him if I if I did. Fair point. The injury thing does concern me a little bit, but I'm just with how thin second base is. I, I personally just overlook the injury risk at that point. Uh, I, I threw Do you have anybody a, else? I wrote down a few pictures here. Just I was looking through the ADPs. Uh, Joe Musgrove at ADP 104. I think Love he's it. being underdrafted. He, he should have missed more than one or two starts, if that. San Diego should be very good this year. Logan Webb, I've talked about him before. I like Logan Webb. Uh, 118 right there with Snell, Gilbert, Webb, Kershaw, Holmes, Sale. I think he's a known quantity in San Francisco. And then Kodai Senga is someone that I, I want to get going to get my hands on in, in one of my leagues. I think he has potential. And, and in that range after him, Brady Singer, Reed Detmers, who, who we also like here, uh, Paul Seawald, mm-hmm. Patrick Sandoval, Hunter Brown. I, I feel like that's that's a good spot for Senga, and I wouldn't mind taking a chance on him. Yeah, I, I love everything I've seen from Senga. He has like a 20-mile-per-hour difference between his fastball and his curveball, which is nuts. He's got that ghost forkball, which is absurd. Got his cool-ass custom gloves with the ghost on it because of that ghost forkball. 
Yeah, I, I think he's one to keep an eye on. I, he's somebody I would absolutely take a late round flyer on, especially he plays in, in New York. They're going to mm-hmm. win games, which helps a lot for fantasy value. And you mentioned Paul Seawald. Uh, somebody that I have on my list is actually Andres Munoz instead okay. of Paul Seawald. Just because I think with Paul, he's a great closer, but he's just great. Andres Munoz proved last year uh, at the end of the year and in the playoffs, he throws 103. He's got a slider that he, that his average velocity on his slider went from 82 miles an hour in 2021 to 88, just shy of 89 miles an hour in 2022. And it had a 51% whiff rate and he throws it like 60% of the time. So he has a 103 mile an hour fastball that he rarely throws compared to a slider he has everything you look for he's playing for a team in the manners that could win 95 games this year that's not a homer guess they could actually win 95 games the seattle manners are actually that good for a change which means he could save 30 to 35 games yeah fuck the yankees (laughs) but seawald is a victim of just the guy behind him being that much better. Seawald would close very well for a lot of these other teams, like the Mets, for example. He'd probably mm-hmm. save 35 to 40 games for the Mets this year, and everybody would absolutely love him. But the problem is, Andres Munoz is legitimately just that good. He He's too good to have as the setup man. He needs to be the closer. And he's getting drafted at uh, 182 right now. If you're in one of those leagues where you take a couple closes early and you want to just shore up saves later on in the draft, getting somebody in like the 16th round that could save you 30 plus games is it's pretty, pretty good pick. Yeah, my only, my only concern there is like, will they just use him in higher leverage situations and save Seawald for the ninth thing? Cause they know Seawald can close it out and then they have this weapon they can use wherever they can. I mean, I know a lot of teams are doing that. I don't know if the Mariners are, have, talked about that a lot if they did it in the past but yeah Munoz especially if your league has holds definitely pick him up save plus holds one league I'm in uh, he, he'd be great there great ratios it's just so wild how we're like oh yeah he, he just he throws 102 he throws 103 it's just crazy that there's so many pitchers in this league today that, that throw so fast yeah and it's insane because he was somebody that nobody even really paid attention to until the postseason when all of a sudden he's hitting 103 in the season and all eyes are on him. And it's like, holy shit, he can actually throw that hard. And I would like to point out he put like just shy of six innings in the postseason and he had an ERA of 476, but his ex pip fit was 231. The problem was he was getting kept in for too long. That is uh, something the managers are good at. They don't quite know when to pull their pitchers out when they should. But he had a 14.2 K9 in the, the playoffs. He strikes a lot of batters out. So if you're in a league that rewards K9 or high strikeout rates like that, he's also for that later on in the draft. Yeah, and maybe he'll uh, close out some games. And you got anyone else here before we close it out? Yeah, I was going to do the same segue. Speaking of closing it out, that's all I've got on my my list. I mean, I have okay. So I have William Contreras, but he's another guy I've talked about a lot mm-hmm. at the catcher position. I can just cover him real quickly at the catcher position. It's very deep this year. You can afford to wait. He's currently being drafted as the tenth catcher. 
uh, and the consensus rankings or the consensus uh, ADP that kind of cover formats. But I think he could actually end up as a top five catcher this year. He had a 13 and a half per barrel rate last year, 115 mile per hour average exit velo, which was in like the 17th percentile or 115 mile an hour max exit velo, I should say. Uh, he's going to a park that is the sixth best in terms of home runs for right-handed hitters. And he's hit 28 home runs in 150 games. Uh, he hit 20 in 98 games last year. He he could likely hit 270, maybe regress to 260 this year. But 30, if he ends up with 32 home runs, uh, that shouldn't surprise anybody. He has that kind of power. He could hit 35 home runs out there in Milwaukee. He's getting every day at bats. And he's getting drafted after right around pick 100. So he's a good catcher. You can wait on that. You're going to get a ton of value on by year end. Yeah, I wrote down also Brandon Drury. We've talked about him. First base, second base, third base, eligibility Mm -hmm. for the Angels. Hopefully that helps him after kind of not doing too well in San Diego. I think he's being drafted uh, 181 right there with Josh Bell, Jake Cronenworth. So I think he's a good power option. And then Joey Manessis, our favorite uh, Favorite Washington National oh, yeah. first base outfield eligibility, I believe. And he's being drafted um, 185. So right after uh, Brandon Dura and after Andrews Munoz. I think he's a, a great option for Util or even fourth outfielder if you have four outfielders in your league. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's one of those guys getting high, high uh, barrel rate, which you know I love. High hard hit rate. He hit 14 home runs in a very limited amount of games last year. He was kind of the end of the year or the second half darling last year. Nobody really knew how good is he because he's a 30-year-old rookie. And I think all he did in the World Baseball Classic was cement the fact that he's not just a 30-year-old rookie that had a hot streak. He's a legitimate good hitter that has home run power. Not quite the power that Jordan has, but he's got 25 to 28 home run power. He's got the dual position eligibility and outfield is thin. First base, we just talked about at the beginning of the show, got a little thinner with Hoskins out. So that's going to bump Manessis up one spot automatically. Yeah, that's another good guy to to target later on in the draft. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we, we seem to have, have a lot of our guys on, on this list, which is not, which is not surprising. That's kind of, <laughs> that's not, kind of the whole point, and, I guess. Uh, it is. And just for the sake of me, I'm not going to cover these guys any more in depth, but the last few guys that I have on my list, just so you guys can get an example, Vinny Pasquantino, George Kirby, and Christian Javier all are on my must draft list as well for very obvious reasons. I would like to point out, uh, we talked about George Kirby for a second uh, the other day with Nick Pollock from Pitcher List. And, and he Christian told me Javier that for... Too. Yeah, we talked about both of them, so you can go check yeah. that out. But one thing he told me about George Kirby was until he gets a good secondary pitch with some movement, mm. he's going to have a harder time getting the outs that he should be able to get out. And he threw the most disgusting curveball for a strike three today. <sighs> and I tweeted, <laughs> messaged Nick on Twitter afterwards and was like, did you see that shit? But yeah, I saw, so the, I saw he was I saw he like struck out like nine or something. Yeah, nine and five innings, giving up no hits. Oof. I mean, the man is ready to go for opening day. Yeah, so that's the rest of my list. And if you guys are still here listening to this, I love you. You guys are awesome. You guys are the reason that we like we enjoy doing. 
So again, like I said at the beginning, if you could just click the follow button, do whatever, just something that notifies you when we go live or when episodes are up, that would be greatly appreciated. Make sure you follow us on all of our socials at Fake Baseball on Twitter, uh, at Fake Baseball Money on, on YouTube. And kids that likes TikTok, we got one of them too. It's at Fake Baseball Money. Same on Twitch at Fake Baseball Money. We're literally everywhere, people. You can find us if you look. Uh, but you can find me on Twitter at Balake, B-U-H-H-L-O-C-K-A-Y-E. And you can follow me on Twitter at rgilbertsop. And we'll catch you guys next time. Peace.